Well, Tim and I did not collaborate on picking that song, but that's exactly what the sermon is about. We'll get to that in a moment. Um, Open your Bibles, please, to Ephesians chapter 6. That's where we'll be. I would be remiss if I did not say, first of all, I consider it a privilege to speak behind this pulpit, especially on Sunday morning. I do not take that lightly at all. And also, um, I'm not going to elaborate on it because um, I have work to do in the next half hour and I don't want to get too emotional. But it has been my pleasure to serve this church, both as a volunteer and on staff, since 2001. Um, I'm not disappearing, but in case you haven't heard, we're taking a little break from it. And uh, this is uh, my last chance for a while, at least, to address many of you um, in this place, either on a Sunday night or a Wednesday night or in a class as well. Let's have a word of prayer, and we'll go to God's Word. Lord, thank you for bringing us here. We thank you for your Word, and we pray that we will handle it well that you will teach us what you have us to learn from it. And Lord, as we continue in the book of Ephesians, that your spirit would speak with our spirit and open our eyes that we might see Jesus and see our Christian duty. In Jesus' name, amen. Our theme today, and uh, you know, Pastor likes, Pastor and I have very different speaking styles, but uh, I do like to do a takeaway. The takeaway, if you're taking notes, is gearing up with the whole armor of God, the Christian soldier is commanded to stand strong in the faith. Gearing up with the whole armor of God, the Christian soldier is commanded to stand strong in the faith. I was not privileged to serve in the military. God took me in a different direction, although I did consider it pretty strongly, and I think I scared my mom a little when the recruiter showed up at our house. Um, But the military is very uh, precious to me and important to me. Uh, My dad was an airman, and my folks met at Ramstein Air Force Base in Germany. He had three brothers, all of whom served in the military. In fact, his two um, older brothers, who were much older than he uh, was and is, uh, served in World War II. So um, the military is very important to me. We're going to be talking about a Roman soldier in his gear today, and we'll talk about why that's in the Bible in just a moment. But I did want to tell this story to begin with. Uh, the company commander and the first sergeant were in the field. After a couple of hours, after they hit the sack for the night, the first sergeant nudged the CO and said, Sir, look up in the sky and tell me what you see. The CO said, I see millions of stars. first sergeant said, And what does that tell you, sir? The CO replied, Astronomically, it tells me that there are millions of galaxies and potentially billions of planets. Theologically, it tells me that God is great and that we are small and insignificant. Meteorologically, it tells me that we will have a beautiful day tomorrow. What does it tell you, Top? The first sergeant said, well, sir, it tells me that somebody stole our tent. So, (laughs) life is what you see, right, and how you interpret it for sure. Well, um, the question is for us today is how do we stand strong? We are in the home stretch of the book of Ephesians. I'm going to be speaking on it today. I believe that pastor's going to speak on this passage again uh, next week. There is plenty of meat here uh, for us. How do we stand strong? Let's read the passage starting in Ephesians 6, and we'll start in verse 10. Ephesians 6.10 And I'll read through verse 20. This is what it says, the Apostle Paul writing, 
through the powering of the Holy Spirit. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may be able to open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Powerful passage from the Apostle Paul. Don't forget that this is a prison epistle. He is under house arrest in Rome. He's chained to a soldier uh, 24-7, and I think that's how the Lord used it. He could see this soldier, and he could see what he was wearing, and that's where this passage comes from. Uh, Verse 10 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We draw our strength from the Lord, not from ourselves. Some of you have heard me say this before. This, we have this American ideal of rugged individualism, that we do it on our own. Um, that is not a biblical model, not a Christian model of how we are supposed to live. Part of this, um, if you want to use the term mythology, stems from our movies. When you think of someone like John Wayne, or Bailey and I were watching um, the Clint Eastwood Spaghetti Westerns yesterday on cable, you know, and Clint Eastwood... You remember him, he's got the beard and the cigar and the poncho and a six-shooter, and he can walk into a room with 20 bad guys and somehow with a six-shooter shoot them all down, okay? But it's one man against the world, and that is not um, the way we are to live as Christians. We are to draw our strength from the Lord and in the power of his might as well. Now, verse 11 is very interesting. It says, put on the whole armor of God. Don't miss a piece. Okay, that you may be able to stand, there's that word, uh, part of our theme today, stand against the wiles of the devil. Wiles are schemes or tricks, and there's a reason that he was named Wily Coyote, remember? Um, Going after the road runner, and he would order something from the Acme Corporation, like a rocket or something, and go through this elaborate scheme, or he would paint something on the wall like a tunnel, and then try to catch the roadrunner. Well, one of my, fr- my old friends from the neighborhood when I was a kid, uh, he put a meme on Facebook the other day, and it was a picture of a roadrunner, and it said, a roadrunner's top speed is 20 miles per hour, a coyote's top speed is 40 miles an hour. My whole childhood was a lie. <laughs> so, but does Satan come after you? In all seriousness, does Satan come after you? Well, it makes me think of what The Lord allowed Satan to do to Job, right? Take away his wealth, take away his livelihood, take away his children, take away his health, all right? And maybe as an ancillary thing, 
take away his relationship with his wife, certainly strained it, although I think Job's wife gets a bad rap because remember what just happened to her, right? She lost her whole family. So I think her attitude is understandable and probably closer to the way I would react in that. Satan is coming after you. John 10.10, this verse resonates with this. It says this, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy as well. And certainly, uh, Satan can use the people in your life to come after you and to impact you as well. Um, Ephesians, back in Ephesians 4, it says this. You might remember this when Pastor preached on it. It says, Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. So we want to stand. We have to stand. That's the point. All right? I think we've established that well. But we do have, before we get to the armor of God and why we need it, um, verse 12, remember, says this, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Not against flesh and blood. In other words, the enemy is not people. Okay, We have to defend ourselves against an unseen enemy. And that's harder, I think. All right? It's harder for us to realize that we are battling against spiritual forces. Everybody that you know, whether you like them or not, whether they're good to you or not, whether they're Democrats and you're a Republican, whether they're Republicans and you're a Democrat, whatever, they are not the enemy. Jesus died for them. God loves them, and he wants them in his kingdom. The real enemy is spiritual, okay? Principalities in high places. The rulers of the darkness of this age. So verse 13 reiterates this. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Now, I want to focus on that phrase, the evil day. Um, Some Bible scholars have said, well, that's talking about the end times and when the day of judgment comes. But I think it's better to think about it, really, if you think about it, ever since the Garden of Eden and the fall of Adam and Eve, every day has been an evil day, right? There's been sin in the world every day for the last 6,000 years. So it's probably more likely any time of testing that you have. What are some ways that we are tested? Well, of course, the most obvious one is temptation to sin, okay? Whatever that is, whatever that looks like for you. Temptation to sin is something that we will battle as long as we're in this body. The Bible makes it clear. It's something that we will battle as long as we're in this body. The goal, of course, is not to sin. But the reality is that we will deal with that for the rest of our lives on this planet. What about the testing of illness and loss? Okay, that's part of life on this planet. It's difficult. It's hard. It's hard to be in pain. Chronic pain is difficult. Dealing with the unknown. Uh, we just went through this with my dad. Um, you have a mass on your lung. What does that mean? Well, we don't know yet. Okay, praise the Lord. I had a good resolution. But losing someone close to you is, uh, is difficult, of course, as well. What about family conflict? Everybody here have the perfect, ideal Norman Rockwell family? Okay. No, we all have um, problems with family, some more so than others. 
But uh, that's why sometimes, sort of as a joke, people joke about Thanksgiving and Christmas and how difficult it is because you have to be with your family, okay? Um, Family conflict is tough, big and small, all right? Um, Financial challenges. Financial challenges can be be a time of testing, that evil day. Church issues. Um, Not getting, us not getting along. And if you don't, uh, if you want some biblical context for that, um, read the Corinthians, both the epistles to the Corinthians as well. Being lonely, being depressed, okay, difficult, time of testing. And then doubt, we're going to talk about this a little bit more. But having a crisis of faith, wondering if what you believe, if, if it's really true, if the Bible is really true. These are all times that can be an evil day when you need to put on the whole armor of God. So, let's get practical. Remember, we're talking about gearing up with the whole armor of God and standing strong in the faith. What does it say? Well, first of all, in verse 14, Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. In other words, put on the belt. Now, Roman soldiers um, wore tunics. And some of you have seen movies or pictures. They wore a tunic, okay? I've never seen a wrestler, like a college or high school wrestler, that was wearing like a bathrobe or a suit coat, right? You gotta, you gotta have stuff that people can't grab. You gotta stuff, have stuff that's not gonna get in the way of your arms. Well, they wore this tunic and they would have a belt that they would tuck it in. Tuck in the loose ends, okay? And it's talking about this um, belt of truth as against error, okay? Arm yourself against weak or false teaching. And there is false teaching out there. There are are people that are teaching uh, things that will not draw you closer to God and in some cases take you away from God, okay? So we have to arm ourselves with the truth that we find in God's Word. Attending a good Bible-believing church is important. Um, Finding good, solid Bible teaching on the radio, on television, arms us with the belt of truth. And then the next one is the breastplate of righteousness, okay? And we sung about this today, righteousness or holiness. Now, this was a thick piece of leather, and it covered the vital organs, all right? So it would cover your heart and the other organs that you want to protect for sure, okay? So um, righteousness, or excuse me, righteousness or holiness means obedience to and communion with Christ, which arms us against satanic Opposition, And I'm glad we sung that song about holiness today because to me, this is God's cornerstone characteristic. Yes, God is omniscient. God is omnipresent. Okay? God is love. The Bible teaches us that. But God is holy. All right? And we have to get a hold of that. And I think um, you can disagree with this, and that's fine, but I think that's the, th- the, the, the primary way that God is different from us. God is holy. Okay? God is holy. The breastplate of righteousness. Arm yourself with his holiness. Now, the next one is boots. Shod your feet, which is, this is a New King James. Put on your boots, okay? So Roman boots, by the way, had spikes in them or nails, okay? And if you think about golf shoes or um, soccer cleats or baseball cleats, that sort of thing. Um, I don't know if you've ever tried to play golf with just tennis shoes, especially if they're old tennis shoes, uh, it's not going to work, okay? You go on a soccer field, especially a nice soccer field, it's a little bit slick, 
you got to have spikes. It gives you stability, okay? Through Christ, this is great, through Christ and his finished work on the cross, the believer is at peace with God, our source of strength, okay? So we have this peace, and this is primarily our peace with God, but I think it's peace in our life as well. Now, if you've been attending this church for 10 years or more, um, you probably remember when my daughter was small. Anybody ever have Sunday morning conflicts trying to get here? After a few months of trying to, and I was, we had the choir every Sunday morning, I was leading the singing, and I had to be here at 845, and for some reason I insisted that we drive through Tim Hortons at the same time. I was not at peace by the time I got here. And some of you talked to me about this. A couple of you ladies took me aside because consistently, week after week, Julia's clothes did not match, okay? When she was 8, 9, 10 years old, I didn't care what she wore as long as we got here, okay? And, uh, of course, she's an older teen now, and clothes are very, very important. But I tried hard to explain. I'm just trying to get out the door. I don't care, you know, if she wears a striped shirt with plaid pants. I don't care, you know. I'm just trying to get here. And some of you know um, that that conflict of trying to get children out the door and get to church can be fun, to say the least. But um, conflicts with people are unsettling. Uh, When we've got something going at home and we're trying to work, or uh, very often, um, I can remember when my dad, he worked at truck and bus down at plant number two in Pontiac, and if something bad happened at the end of the day, when he sat down to dinner, we heard all about it, even though I was a little kid and I had no idea what he was talking about. But that conflict at work came home, okay? Um, So peace in your life, peace with God, peace with other people is precious, okay? The gospel of peace, our peace with God. Verse 15, we've got to keep moving. Verse 15 uh, talks about uh, having your feet shod. And then verse 16, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Now, this was not a little target shield, a little round shield. It was like a small door, okay? And if you've ever seen movies where Roman soldiers, they can get in a line, and it's almost like a wooden wall, okay, or a leather wall, all right? And um, it would protect the whole body. You'd come up under your chin and go down to your shins. Trust, the shield of faith, trusting God, leaning on the Lord and his word. And this leather or this wood would be soaked in an oil that would make these flaming arrows hit it and go out, okay? Trusting God helps us resist temptation and Satan's lies. For those of you that have been coming to the Bible Knowledge Hour, that's one of the things that we learned about what Satan did in, in the Garden of Eden with, with uh, Adam and Eve, especially with Eve when he was talking to her, right? He made her doubt God's goodness. He made her doubt God's word. And he lied, as he always does, he lied about the benefits of sin, okay? That's one of the darts that he sends. He told them that they would be like gods, all right? They were not. They did not become like God or like gods, all right? Now, when I think of trust, I think of the zip line at Camp Barakel. How many of you have ever been on a zip line of any kind? Now, you might agree, many of you, wow, that's great. Um, I got to tell you, 
that for me, part of it is peer pressure, you know. If I was at Barakel by myself, not with the guys, I might not do it. But the guys are there, so I got to do it, right? What's the hardest part for me? Stepping off, right? I saw you, yeah, stepping off. Because that line, that, that cable is slack, and you step off that platform 30, 40 uh, feet in the air, and it bounces a little bit, and then you're okay, all right? But that, that is hard, stepping off. And, and they'll let you, by the way, sit down back on a platform and put your weight down and then kind of scoot off, which is fine, no problem. But uh, stepping into that, stepping off that platform on that zip line is trust. You're trusting that the person put your uh, harness on right, that the cable's going to hold, and that you'll get to the bottom safely. It's about trust, the shield of faith. And then the helmet of salvation in verse 17, the helmet of salvation. Very, very important. Your brain's in there, okay? Head wounds can be serious and sometimes fatal. Satan attacks us in our mind with doubt, discouragement. Um, He can make us doubt our assurance of salvation. He wants to erode your confidence for two reasons. Number one, because he's after you, but also, if you don't have confidence in the Lord, what are the odds that you're going to tell other people about him? What are the odds that you're even going to invite people to come to church and hear God's word if you're doubting yourself? Probably not, okay? If you don't like Diet Coke, it's unlikely that you're going to recommend it to somebody else, okay? Very trite, mundane example. I do believe in helmets, by the way. I know that in Michigan, helmets are optional for motorcycle riders. I don't mean to offend you if you're listening on the radio or you're here and you ride without a helmet. But the reason I believe in helmets is not because I'm a motorcycle rider. And part of the reason I'm not a motorcycle rider is because when I was eight years old, an older friend put me on a three-wheeler and said, there's the gas, there's the brake, and away you go. And I went like this as far as I could and just held on like that and panicked and froze. Okay? I went straight for a fence line and I hit a big rock, which saved my life because I didn't go through the barbed wire fence. But... The handlebars bash me on the head, okay? And there's still a big gash and a lump with no hair on it on my head where that handlebar bashed me on the head. And you can imagine what it looked like as I ran up to the house to find my mom and dad. What do head wounds do? They bleed, that's right, and I was covered with blood. Um, People that have known me through the years have heard that story and said, well, having a serious... A head injury explains a lot about you, Greg. So (laughs) that's my excuse. But I do believe in helmets uh, in that way. The next thing is really the only offensive weapon, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The Bible is uh, a sword, of course, is both both an offensive and a defensive weapon. We fight off Satan's attacks with the truth of Scripture. That's kind of a given. I mean, Bible is our middle aim here at this church. But I want to challenge you on a personal level, get involved with Bible study, okay? It's not enough. It's great to have a daily devotional, but it's not enough, okay? We need to be studying God's Word, and we have access to all kinds of study tools as well, but we need to wield it, okay? Personal Bible study is critical to living in victory 
as well. And then verse 18 starts to wrap things up. It says, it doesn't refer to a weapon or a piece of armor, but it says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. I think this is deliberate, that the chief characteristic of a Christian soldier is prayer. I say that because it challenges me. Very often we think about prayer as something that we do before a meal or maybe during our morning quiet time or we take 10 minutes before we start our day to pray. And all of that is wonderful. And in some ways that's vital. But the Bible tells us to pray without ceasing. Okay? And this passage talks about variety and frequency. All right? This helps us be on the alert. Okay? How many of you have ever been, try to think of a situation where you were on the alert. Can you think about maybe being in a neighborhood where you were on the alert? I'll tell you this, I wasn't really in any danger, but I was this little uh, 16-year-old kid from Oxford, Michigan, and we went to New York City on my junior, uh, my senior trip we went, and um, we drove through Harlem, okay? Now, I had never seen, I had never been in a big city. New York was overwhelming to me anyway, okay? But um, places like that where crime is high and it's difficult to, um, to, for good people to live sometimes puts us on the alert. Whether that's right or wrong, okay? It puts us on the alert. We are to be on the alert, alert against the spiritual enemies of our lives, Okay? Prayer is key to that. And let me give you one last uh, little story. The other day, um, our station manager, Ed, was on vacation, and the computer started acting up. It started doing things that I knew were wrong. So I put in a CD, and I rebooted the computer. It came back up, and it still was wrong. And at that point, not before I rebooted, but after I rebooted the first time and realized I'd have to reboot again, I prayed. And guess what? Three minutes later, the computer came back up, and we were back on the air just like normal, okay? So um, prayer is so important, and I challenge myself to pray without ceasing as well, all right? And then just to wrap up this passage in verse 19, remember Paul is a prisoner in chains, and he talks about that. He says, And pray for me that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Paul does not ask for release. He does not ask for comfort. He asks for boldness in being a witness, even though it would seem like his ministry has been curtailed. He can't travel anymore. Remember what he's been doing for years? Traveling all around the Mediterranean, starting churches and telling people about Jesus. Now he's a prisoner in Rome. He asked for boldness to do that. May we be bold ambassadors for Christ as we put on the whole armor of God. Remember, gearing up with the whole armor of God, the Christian soldier is commanded to stand strong in the faith. Lord, thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the book of Ephesians and what we've learned from it. 
in the previous months as we continue in this final chapter. I pray that you would bless our minds, bless our hearts. And Lord, I pray that we would indeed take the challenge as you challenged us in this book to put on the whole armor of God that we would be able to stand, stand strong in the faith. And we'll thank and praise you for the victory that we will receive. In Jesus' name, amen.